Have you ever heard Matt Berenger from the National actually talk in person? He sounds nothing. No, like, I've not. He doesn't sound anything like the recording. I definitely have a much deeper voice, and I sing fairly deep. Just fix it. Uh, it's always surprising to me when it doesn't match for people because I feel like it should match. Why shouldn't it match? You just fix it in post. That's what I'm saying. It's like, and mm. and also like I literally pulled that example out of my ass because I have not heard Matt Berenger talk in person. I was you just made that up, just making up lies. But I, it's so very once, believable. So <laughs> once I answered you earnestly, you knew you were f- free to lie. Yes. <laughs> so stupid. That okay. There's a genius. Should we also be like taking we, all of the lyrics of the songs we're gonna write should come from lines from our podcast. So like once well, I answered you earnestly. Something like that. Except <laughs> sung better. Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be tweaked. I think I think there's a there's a melody in there. G- give give me your chisel it from the granite. Give me your take off the top of your head of that line. What's let's, let's what was the line again? <laughs> once you answered me earnestly, or once I an- <laughs> was it once I answered you I sh- earnestly. That does that does feel like a national lyric. Mm-hmm. Like once I answered you earnestly, <laughs> you felt free. I to knew lie. I was free to lie. <laughs> I think we could do a slam poetry portion of the show, uh, and that could help us work on our lyrics, uh, where we have to say something like, uh, the military? Well, the military don't say that to me. Uh, how does <laughs> slam poetry no, that was pre- That was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> I got the cadence right. I don't know what they actually are saying ever. Hey, welcome to the show. We're Bad Wallpaper. We've got a plan to create an album in one year by writing some music every week. We'll take our favorites, expand them into full songs, and then record our album at the end of a year. You can follow along on Spotify. Please, if you're enjoying the show, subscribe and give us a review. You can follow us on Twitter at bad underscore wallpaper. Jared, what is up? Dude, you're sounding smooth. I'm so sultry today. I don't know... uh, Maybe it's it's getting a little chilly. I could just curl up by the fireside, you know. What's uh, what's like the fall in Boston like? Is it uh, a place that <laughs> pirates go? <laughs> it's cold now. It's not even nice anymore. It's like all the leaves are falling now. There's just wet leaves everywhere. It's just raining every day, and there's wet leaves. Already done with this. Already done with fall in New England. I'm going back home. I'm going to St. Louis where the weather is nice all the time. Except for all the times that it isn't. Except for all the time when it isn't. Um, Hey, you know when you're in Missouri, if you don't like the weather, just wait. Oh, why is that? Because it'll change. That's like, is that not a thing in St. Louis? No. No, that is the the thing. Okay. I didn't know if that was just an Ozarks thing or not. Not the thing in the Ozarks is uh, don't like the weather. Just take some methamphetamines. That's a good move. That's good advice. And See the 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 saying in St. Louis is that the arch is actually a weather machine. It was like built by the aliens, and that's why we have like different weather from the the rest of Missouri, because uh, it's a weather machine. You know. Uh, sounds sounds pretty QAnon, Jake. Oh, so that's what's going to bring back JFK Jr. 
Yeah, JFK Jr. has got to emerge from the arch like uh, it's an oblivion gate. <laughs> it does look a lot like an oblivion gate. Weren't you? That's really my biggest fear. <laughs> Didn't you play that recently? I've been playing it, yeah. I bought oh, it for like no. $5. Uh, I bought it for like $5 on Xbox One, and it's so good and so bad simultaneously. Everyone you talk to starts glitching through the wall instantly. It's the greatest game ever made. I'm a battle mage. He looks really bad, and I made him look as bad as possible. It's so cool. It's the best game ever. That's so brave of you not to go the obvious uh, stealth archer route. Well, that was my that was always my move, you know. I wanted to mix it up and just kind of run and gun, but my my OG Wood Elf on the Xbox 360 was absolutely an archer stealth guy. He was a pickpocket. He was in the Dark Brotherhood, all that fun stuff. So talking about like a twenty year old game. <laughs> well, let's talk about a ten year old game because I remember <laughs> when I first met you. I'm pretty sure I sat down and you were playing Skyrim. Absolutely. I, yeah. I actually only played Skyrim for the first time like two years ago on the Nintendo Switch version. Yeah. Did <laughs> you finally my, realize what you were missing? It's my first playthrough. I played as a like tanky two-handed sword wielder. And honestly, like the game it's got rad. really boring. Oh. I why did it get boring? Well well, I mean, I did the like enchantment hack, so it wasn't a hack. It's just like you level up enchanting and you can just make infinite money really easy. Like you can just make gold. So that was probably a mistake just in how it, you know, affected the game's economy. And then I could just like (laughs) power, uh, hit people (laughs) power hit. You made power hit. You made like, you made like Skyrim NFTs. Yeah. Ooh. And then you were just, you were just selling it to everybody. Yep, I made a bunch of subreddits like, like a pipe, like <laughs> buy Dogecoin. This one's an ugly gorilla. Give me one million dollars for it. it mm-hmm. It's worth that, I promise. Yep. Oh, but yeah, I mean, I I think I stood in line at the Raleigh GameStop to get the uh, midnight release of Skyrim, and then like. I stayed up all night and then went to class the next day. That's like the most college, well, specifically the most raw thing I ever did, but probably the most college thing I ever did as well. Can't believe you didn't take me with you. You would not have wanted to go stand at a GameStop and buy Skyrim and then watch me play it. You're right. You're right. There were like four other people who did that because they were (laughs) amped. And then you were just walking by like, who's this guy? This loser. I was too busy playing video, yeah. Civilization Five with Garrison. No, you were too busy. You were too busy going on dates, play video games. Too I cool was, for school. I was too busy chilling in hot tubs with babes. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's the common theme. That's what everyone says about Rolla, Missouri. Um, it's, it's full of babes and hot tubs. Do you ever, you ever look back and like realize the missed connection with? different musicians you've known yeah dude absolutely like i always just picture these fictional bands i could have made with with different people (laughs) like uh you know there was this one guy who was like a guitarist singer like oh man i totally could have could have made a good good Mm. band with him or like a drummer uh that was like just had the stuff and it was like yeah that could have worked if like we would have just committed to that instead of fluid mm. dynamics and uh evolutionary algorithms or whatever other courses we were taking yeah 
We didn't realize what was important in life. I mean, I've had so many drummer friends throughout my life. So many important drummer friends. Like my friend Jack. He's been playing drums for as long as I can remember. Uh, I had a buddy named Waffles. And then my buddy Greg. And, and then, yeah, a lot of guys in college. A lot of, a lot of really cool drummers that I feel like I've, I've missed my chance to become the Japan droids with them. Ugh. Japan droids are so good. So all the guys that I just name checked, just call me, call me. I love you. All right. So last week we talked about you saw Dune. I had not seen Dune. I've now seen Dune. Dune's really, really good. I'm gonna go see it again. On a on a scale of F to A, what do you give it? If I were to if I were to host a film podcast, I would give it a strong A minus. Strong A minus. Like, so we're shooting like ninety two point four percent there. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine point three on the pitchfork scale. I don't know, man. Everything about it, I was like jaw dropped from the the audio and the visuals, and it's a really really good faithful adaptation of Dune that just looked sweet. I feel like that's one part that I missed out on the audio because I only have oh. a stereo set up at my and I watched it at home <laughs> and I was riding the volume like the whole time because. Yeah, you know, you just miss out dialogue versus action and noise and music, <laughs> and uh, it was it was tough to to be a uh, manual compressor on that front. <laughs> yeah, I think like someone messed up at our theater, and like the some of the music hits were so loud, like. I've never even like it was comparable to when I saw Dinosaur Jr. in like Jay Massis could not be like reined in from a guitar standpoint. So like three, you're just three getting blasted full by, stacks of Marshall. Right, exactly. You're just getting blasted by three full stacks of guitar solo and you're like, This hurts my ears, but also it's really good. Oh, man. Uh, I think they someone messed up the D B reading at our theater and it was like just absolutely blasting me and I was having the greatest time of my life. I just want to take a sidebar on Jay Mass's like guitar tone because the the way so he just dimes his Marshall amps and then plays it through three full stacks behind him, and he literally uses overdrive pedals mostly as like EQ shapers because they're not adding yeah. they're not <laughs> adding gain at that stage. There's no more headroom in those uh, tubes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The gain is actually just more compression, like to to what they're doing. Like, <laughs> but it's revolutionary. And I kind of went on a trip recently and was watching like old Dinosaur Junior live performances, and then like all the way through their current ones, and seeing mm-hmm. the difference and how they're able to capture like what their clear vision is. Like the same song from like the eighties, then the nineties and the two thousands. And after they reunited again, and it's, uh, it's, it's actually like really cool to see the differences. Oh, that rocks. I, I love dinosaur junior sidebar. We should make a dinosaur junior song at some point, but (laughs) yeah, that was a good sidebar. Sidebar. No, we, we honestly, we talked about a movie and then talked about music. That's pretty good. Uh, but man, I am super exhausted right now. I had to take my dog to the vet yesterday. He's got some eye thing, got all this stuff going on at work. And it doesn't help that like this past weekend, I 
just had the worst sleep schedule of all time. <laughs> on Saturday, we went to like a movie marathon for Halloween. We saw Halloween 3 and we saw Bride of Frankenstein. We were out late. The thing went till like noon the next day, but we decided we wanted to go to Salem for Halloween. And so we go to the movie marathon, ditch early at like 3.30 in the morning, then like sleep for like four hours and then get on a train to Salem and uh, just go hang out in the witch city for uh, Halloween. It was legitimately awesome, but I'm still paying for it today. That's crazy. I, I remember literally that night you sent me a video of a live guitarist playing the John Carpenter Halloween theme. Oh, so the it started before. So Halloween 3 was the first movie, uh, but it, it started with a live performance by one of John Carpenter's musical collaborators. Uh, let me find his name real quick. <laughs> we we need to have a we we need to have a a guy like Joe Rogan has. Hey, look that up. Hey, look that up for me. Joe. That was more Alex Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so the guy's name was Alan Howarth or Howarth. I don't know. Uh, but he was one of John Carpenter's like collaborators for a bunch of his soundtracks. So he was on They Live, Escape from New York. Uh, a couple of the Halloween movies and some other stuff. And so before they played Halloween 3, they got this guy up here and he's just jamming out to all these like soundtracks that he wrote. And the crowd like would go crazy. Like they it start going like boop, 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 boop. And everyone just go wild, just losing their mind. And yeah, then he got a guitar out and he was going along. It was awesome. So the funny thing is you sent me that and... Uh, it's a three-hour time difference to the West Coast, so we were three hours earlier, and we were literally putting our daughter down to bed and, like, winding down for the night as you were just getting started. Yeah, I was just getting started, and it was 11 p.m., and I was already sleepy. And, yeah, you were talking, you're talking, like, 8 o'clock your time. How do you think I felt? I'm old, too. But they, they did have, like, bottomless coffee. <laughs> you buy one cup of coffee, and they just put out the coffee pot. It was awesome. There you go. Uh, it's an annual event. Very sick. Uh, but yeah, I had a crazy Halloween. Uh, how are you doing, Jaren? Dude, I'm doing all right. So MLS, I don't know how many people out there follow the Major League Soccer. I only follow a team that doesn't exist yet. Um, but they will exist soon, and I'll, I'll be watching. So it's like the New England Red Bulls. Is that the Boston team? <laughs> what? New England Red Bulls. It's Chicago Red Bulls, right? No. Or is it the New York Red Bulls? It's the it's. <laughs> no, it's the Chicago Fire. Uh, right. It's Which the... is the most insensitive name in all of sports. <laughs> Let's commemorate the thing that like killed lots of people, but also allowed. <laughs> The unprecedented gentrification. I mean, great. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great move. It's uh, definitely the New no, the, England Red Bulls, but they're not the like New the Eng New England Patriots that actually play in Boston. No, they're the no. So they're the New England Revolution, and they play at the same place that uh, that the Patriots play. So it's like an hour outside of Boston, which is like the worst place to put a soccer game. I can't be this wrong on a. <laughs> thing that I what? wanted to talk about. Well, if it's not the yeah, New England, you gotta look this one. Yeah, no, it's the New York Red Bull. 
The Red Bulls are the New York. <laughs> Cut that part. Well, I was trying to give you credit because the Red Bulls are actually good. So I'm, no. I'm waiting for the St. Louis team, St. Louis SC. It's gonna be sick downtown so stadium. Or, so original. I hate you. Team name. <laughs> All right, MLS. What do you What are you liking about MLS? I uh, I like the kicks and the goals and the keepers <laughs> and the offsides. <laughs> Yeah, soccer ball is so, my favorite sport. I like honestly, the way they kick it up and down the court. <laughs> honestly, it's my wife's like major thing, so by proxy, I, I am pretty big Dude, into it. Props to Elle. Um, she's the most hardcore MLS fan I've ever met. Like, She puts Premier League fans to shame, and she's just in it for the love of the game. Love of the game. So... She's from Kansas, and she's a diehard sporting Kansas City team fan person. Making fun of the St. Louis name. Sporting Kansas City. What? Right? Like, they were so much cooler as the Wizards. <laughs> they, for most of the season, have been top of the Western Division. And uh, they just, unfortunately, had a couple of losses that have put them in contention that they may give it up to the Seattle Sounders, which is our actual home team. And I am torn. I I definitely have dual allegiances. Uh, all my all my other friends are big Sounders supporters. So it'll be interesting to see what perspires, pers- perspirates. Perspires? <laughs> what? What are you even listening to, Jake? I have been eating up the new war on drugs album have, have you, you uh, seen their tiny desk concert i've not seen their tiny desk concert <sighs> is it a new one you gotta get on it gotta get on it i gotta is it for the new album or is it an old one it's the new album oh baby have you listened to it yet i have <clears throat> i what's your take well i listened to the tiny desk concert first and uh the cool thing with Tiny Desk Concert right now. So what do we do we tell people about like NPR's Tiny Desk Concert, which is pretty much my biggest musical influence of the like last decade. But uh yeah, right now there it's Tiny Desk at home. So actually it's just the band's interpretation of like how they want to be captured live. Right. For a set and Warren Drugs, their set I feel like perfectly captured their dedication to like the live tones, like feeling like what it feels like to be in the room whenever they play. And they're such a guitar driven band. And mm. if anything, this album is like less guitar, but it's it's only in the essence that they took what is great about their guitar sound and just distilled it to such an amazing, like blissful effect. And then they put it in the background so that it could also be supported by all these other like really cool synth and drum sounds. Uh, that's how I understand their album. What's your take, Jake? I think that's fair. Uh, and like, yeah, I think it's maybe less indulgent on like the, the kind of grooving side uh 
and honestly, just to start off, I was like, okay, this is war on drugs, certainly, but I'm not sure I'm feeling it. And then like the middle of the album hit, and it just really starts moving. Yeah, I really, really thought that album was awesome, and I I hadn't really been following the singles or anything, so I went in totally cold. And yeah, that's been one of my one of my favorite like just old school indie rock albums of a maybe the year you know it's been a while since i've had an old school indie rock album like that like from a a band like that that's so big that i've been like really digging uh so yeah i listened to that a couple times i think that that influenced a lot of my other listening this week a lot of like 2000s and late 90s uh indie rock uh including the spoiler alert my rifspiration Ooh. I guess it's not a spoiler alert if it's a tease. I guess it's more of a teaser. Uh, but Jerry, what do you what have you been hitting up? What are you listening to? Uh, such a teaser, Jake. Well, I watched getting back into film the Apple TV documentary on Velvet Underground. Ooh. And yes, I only have Apple TV because of Ted Lasso. <laughs> but. I was excited to see that the Velvet Underground documentary was well received. And when I first listened to them, they were a band that like challenged me. It was like, why is this good? You know, (laughs) I hate this, but I should like it. I know I'm supposed to like it, but there's like that thing in the back of your head. That's like, I actually really like dig this. It's addictive. Um, It's addictive. Like heroin. But <laughs> that's a song by them. Oh, reference. The pop sensibilities of Lou Reed shine through. That's what like hooks you. The dissonance mm-hmm. of John Cale and the simplicity of the drummer. That's it, it all comes together into this magic recipe. And if anything, like it's a story of like how a band that shouldn't be successful later is successful. And I mean, is it like a Van Gogh where in his day he wasn't appreciated, but later he was? Uh, There's the famous Brian Eno quote of the Velvet Underground only sold 30,000 albums, but they everyone who listened to it made a band like that kind of influence is so hard to to calculate. It's really interesting. And the, the documentary overall, I feel like did an okay job of capturing that it left a little bit to be desired. It was a little too talking heads for me. Um, not to make not a David Byrne. pun of the band, but like literally like <laughs> is just people who are talking on camera. And then they started saying there is water <laughs> under the ocean. This is not my fancy automobile. <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife. Stupid cut, cut it. <laughs> it's pretty good though. <laughs> but okay, uh, what's your ranking of Velvet Underground albums? One, two, three, oh, no. and four. Go. You you got ahead of me. I was gonna ask you what your favorite was, and now you're asking me to rank. I don't even know when the last time I listened to the self titled was, but I was, I was the same as you. I think when I first heard it, I was like, okay, I get it. This is like influential, but I'm not sure I get it. Uh, like the first time I listened to like Velvet Underground and Nico, uh, and it took a while to ever like click for me. But man, I can I just say my favorite? I was gonna say Loaded's my favorite. All right, yeah, I like. I that. think 
I think that's a great, great album. Uh, I I think my second is probably White Light, White Heat. Again, I'm not the biggest uh, Velvet Underground and Nico fan, but I man, White Light, White Heat is is such a groovy album. Like I think there's a lot of like really fun like post punk kind of stuff in there, and it was pre punk. Like that's pretty insane. Uh, just a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, and again, I, I don't even remember the self-titled. I haven't listened to it in so long. So those are my top two. Dude, How about that? I think I'm with you. The documentary kind of reintroduced me to the Grey album, which was their third album after Loaded and before... The self-titled? Or no, yeah. after... Uh, it was after White, White Light, Heat. White Heat. Yeah, yeah before, before Loaded. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Wow. Okay, I got I I I really appreciate it. like it almost put it above for me. The the interesting oh, like the the band membership that changed so the first two albums were the the all four members. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh John Cale left for the third album and then the fourth album loaded um the the drummer was pregnant and was unable to to make the sessions and so they got a drummer who like just stepped in and like did the like actual like kind of uh boppy kind of stuff that Lou Reed was writing mm-hmm. it changes it you know it like and, yeah, definitely. and and it went from like a hundred like equal distribution of band member contribution to I would say like seven to all the way through the spectrum to loaded where it's like 70% Lou Reed. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting to see how that affects, you know, like the recorded material and what you have to actually like appreciate it. And, um, I, I don't know. You, you didn't ask me like explicitly, but I would say my ranking is I did. Probably, I said, what's your uh, top two at least? Oh, top two. <laughs> All right. Top two. I would say white, uh, white light, white heat, and then loaded. Yeah. Um, okay. Think, so, so we, we got the same top two. Yeah. Uh, just like flips. Uh, so are we, are we going to mix it up this week? Are we going to start with a respiration, go straight into the song and then do the same for you? Yes. I'm cool with that. All right. So let, let's do it. Let's get into the respirations. Uh, so this week, uh, I said earlier, I've been listening to a lot of like 2000s indie rock. Uh, the Hold Steady is a band that I've has grown on me as I've gotten older. Uh, it's funny. I feel like every year I get older, the more I, I understand the Hold Steady. And now it's one of my favorite bands of all time. But off their first album, they have this anthem called killer parties and it just absolutely goes uh it's just an all-timer indie rock anthem and that was what made it my respiration this week all right let's hear it that's a killer party man yeah the killer parties almost killed me that track is i mean in the best way possible all over the place <laughs> yeah, it's it I think when I called it like a ballad or an anthem, you know, it it starts off low and slow, it builds, it comes back down, it's emotional, there's a lot of fire behind the lyrics and it just like punches through in the middle and then yeah, comes back down to earth and it was truly inspiring. As a guitarist, I was particularly like inspired that the chances they took on that take like 
there were things that to the just normal ear, like it's like obvious mistakes, like things that were out of key, but they rolled with it. And like, it becomes part of the story of the song and it evolves over the course of the song. Uh, there was also something about the, the panning of the tracks. There was at one moment, like a big, like kind of in the biggest, like emotional part of the song, I just kind of realized that like to my right, I was like focusing on the, the, the rhythm guitar, but on the left I was focusing on the bass and in the middle there was the spacey bouncing delayed guitar track going all over the place. And all of that together just takes you to like a different place. And I love that. Like that if, if there were a word to describe that song, I would say transportive. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like that track because, you know, I actually the whole album on that whole album, they're playing with the panning they're They're messing with the dynamics. I think, you know, that's their first album. They were probably just really going for it and girly going for it on the production. And I think it, it turns out to be a really, really cool, fun track. Uh, and yeah, it goes on a journey. It really takes you with it. And I, that was really, uh, inspiring to me. So I guess we're going to listen to my track now. We're still figuring out the format. We're going to listen to my track now after my respiration uh, instead of putting like a respectable dif- distance between the two. Let's um, hear what was inspired by the Hold Steady. This track would really benefit from like a real drummer. I'll just give you a heads up. just raising the bar jake (laughs) what's funny is i kept wanting to extend it i kept wanting to like add a chord progression or something or kept like i wanted to let it go like two and a half minutes or something and i was like that's a terrible precedent to set on the podcast but i think in terms of you know what inspired me was that like ballad that indie rock ballad and i think this like has like that quiet part and it escalates into that kind of driving uh part a little good i I mean i I really wish i had a good like real drum uh recording over this and i really wish it was expanded out but i think that's a good sign for the track in and of itself that it's like i really i really want to hear more 
there's something about that that just evokes like to me a need for the the like earnest cloying almost like vocal to that like it just first of all I could listen to that like all day like it just just draws me in and immediately makes an emotional connection and I want to hear more of that there's something that is like connecting to me about that like there's some like influence i i've heard of that that connects me to i hear the hold steady in that there's something else Mm -hmm. i can't i maybe it'll come to me a couple other things i mean fillmore jive by pavement is in the same key uh so that was another influence of mine is fillmore jive i think that's another good bop uh, been listening to a lot of soccer mommy. There's actually a little bit like the chord progression is actually mm-hmm. similar to the the opening song off her album Clean. Uh, similar chord progression, kind of goes different directions, but I don't know. A lot of like that kind of emotional indie r- hard rock. Uh, I don't know. This this week I felt really good about it. I'm not gonna lie, dude. It's really good stuff. I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that i would love to write a song about that uh oh, man with with that that yeah everything and, and is great the progression the tracking you, you really captured it there good job i had a hard i had a hard time with it i had to do a lot of work on the drums i didn't have time to add a bass line i didn't have time to clean up the guitar solo i had some like weird notes in there that i wasn't in love with but overall yeah i was I think I got the emotion out of it. Like I was just going for like an emotional big indie rock song and it, it paid off, I think. Let's do a bit. Uh, so Jared, I'm really excited to hear what your respiration is this week. All right, Jake. Here's the, the lowdown. <laughs> here's the lowdown. I retroactively was inspired. Jacques Hughes. Yeah, so... That's cheating. I, I've, I've like worked on this track and kind of realized later what it kind of reminded me of. And, Mm. you know, I mean, I think that's fine. Like my, it was my subconscious that inspired me to this track. So I think even if we weren't necessarily like thinking of a song at the time when we're, you know, jamming, I do think, you know, the, the memory of all the music we've listened to, uh, you know, whatever song was in your heart at the time, you, it might not come out till later. And this was a band that you introduced me to, so... <laughs> no way. Here's Waves Super Soaker. All right, Jake, thanks for introducing me to Waves. Man, Waves is so cool. It's just like all that, like all those vocals just washed out in reverb. Uh, some really cool punk rock guitar. And, and drums. Is it true he was like just a pool boy for like a rich family when he like was writing these songs? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm sure he was just like some burnout uh, cool guy back in the day. So what inspired you about that? It was kind of retroactive, uh, like <laughs> I said. Uh, I think I just realized that this song I've had in my head for a while kind of was inspired by that. Like it was the same kind of energy. So let's, uh, let's hear that song. Shall we? Let's Let's get after it this week. I'm excited. 
Punk rock, dude. That was awesome. That just had so much energy. And like, even just listening to that little clip, I was having such a fun time. You could release that on a punk rock album as like a, you know, 45 second long song and it would be a hit. My favorite 45 second punk song is uh, No Effects Murder the Government. <laughs> murder the government. Murder the government. Murder the government. Do it again, yeah. And that feels like it's it. along those lines. I get that. <laughs> but no, man, that's uh, like really just like driving along. A lot of really fun uh, energy to that. Yeah, I essentially have been playing with those chord inversions for a long time. The first mm. part of that song, like I've had in my backlog for a while. And I don't know. It was like the motivation of like, what should I do with this? Like, it's like two chords. <laughs> it's inverted. So it's like, doesn't even have the like root, but I don't know. What can I do with it? And um, just playing around with different chord shapes, different conversions, hearing what sounds good. Honestly, like, I mean, this is kind of technical, but playing with the tone of my, mm. like the guitar when I was recording it, I used a, uh, for the technical people out there, I used a, like a rat style pedal into a Marshall style amp with a like humbucker bridge position guitar. And yeah. uh, when I heard how that actually like recorded, it was so thin. And I played with really? the EQ a ton. And like, I was like, wow, this is so thin sounding. Like to my ear, it didn't sound that great. But then I added a, a bass track that was, like, fairly saturated with, like, good distortion and the drum track. And, like, that filled in the other missing piece of that, like, harmonic, like, structure um, that really made it feel like a complete track. And I could really appreciate what that guitar tone was doing on its own without... I mean, you don't need to do what the bass is already doing. You don't need to do what the bass drum is doing. So... I don't know. No, that's kind I, of a, a nerdy kind of like take on the track. But. No, but I think that's a really good observation in that it's like, you know, you're you're capturing a different part of the song uh, and you don't need to repeat whatever the bass is doing or like uh, vice versa. The bass doesn't need to just repeat what you're doing. Uh, you can play off each other and that just gives the song so much more depth. And I, I think that leads to kind of the playfulness of it is like, both instruments are just kind of going crazy. They're just all over the place. They're just going for it. Yeah. What's funny is I actually, I did a similar thing today. Uh, I added like another rhythm track under mine at like the last minute. And I got out my Gibson. I got on my Les Paul. Uh, the rest of it was recorded on my telly. Uh, but I got out the Les Paul. I threw on the rhythm pickup 
I threw on like a TS overdrive type thing and I pumped the gain up on my Vox and it just sounded dirty and great. And it was a nice layer. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like base my whole song off that, but it's such a nice layer to add in for like the, both just like the biting aggressiveness of the, the chords, but also it just adds so much texture. Yeah. Honestly, that was kind of a challenge for me this week of like, I was interested in what can I do without an overdub? So there was only mm. one guitar track. Like, so whoever is playing backup guitar, you're just going to have to chill on this track. Cause like <laughs> there's nothing for you. No, they can, um, they can find some power chords. I'm sure. <laughs> right. They yeah. being so, me probably. <laughs> just play the unison blend into the background. No one will know. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's always part of the equation is, like, what can you do with as one guitarist or what can you expand your horizon as with laying a foundation for another guitarist or being that extra special stuff on top of what another guitarist has already done? And um, that's a dynamic that is not exactly captured in what we do mm. because we can't play off of each other, but in what we write for each other, it can be captured. So I'm excited to see what that uh, entails for our further endeavors, Jake. That makes me real excited because I, th I think, I, I think this week we both hit some, hit some home runs, hit some slam dunks. And I'm really, really amped to take, you know, some, some creative liberties with these tracks and, and start expanding them a little bit. Because I think there's a lot of air there that we can fill. Uh, feel, feel like we're getting into a groove, Jake. It's almost dude. like the fact that we're playing three hours <laughs> off each other is, you know, something that we had to consider. But we're getting into it, and yeah, you know, it's like it it's goes. a weird concept that if you play a lot of guitar, you end up coming up with a lot of things to play on guitar. And as you play more things on guitar, you get better at playing the guitar. Uh, we should write a book. We should write a book about this. Like how to how to get Be good a guitar. Guitar hero got <laughs> stars in I his eyes. A, is a jukebox hero. Well, but Guitar Hero is the game. Yeah, Guitar Hero is a better game than Jukebox Hero. I don't even know what that game would be. All right, Jake. I think that does it for this week. Yeah, that does it for this week because your battery is dying. I can see it at the bottom of your screen. Actually, make a goodbye to our audience, and let's hear from okay. next week. All right, everybody, you can check us out on Spotify. Check out the Bad Riffs podcast by Bad Wallpaper. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at bad underscore wallpaper. Uh, Jared, anything else before your computer dies? No. No, he's got nothing. He's got nothing. <laughs> His computer's about to die. 